Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord, once again. We just thank you, Father, for the gift of life that we woke up this morning, Lord. So many, so many, Lord, who went to sleep last night did not see another day. And if you have given us another day, there is purpose in it. There is provision for that purpose. And your presence is promised. And I pray, Father, we'll make full use of what you have given us today. The time, the provision, the power, and teach us to walk with you through this day, Lord. Plead the blood of Jesus over all your children who are listening. Everyone who's tuned in. And since the anointing is not constrained by time, those who will log in and listen later, let the anointing work on everyone, Father. Release your anointing, Father. We come at this time into their hands. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. We are with Nehemiah. We saw Nehemiah, the man with a purpose. And if we can learn from these people, leadership, okay? And we'll see that if the book of Ephesians says, redeem the time for the days are evil, we'll see a man redeem time. He knows he's got a limited time. The king has set a time according to what he said. He has to finish his work and get back. And we'll see and it's an impossible task. If you look in the natural, it's an impossible task. But if we have God with us, remember, the impossible becomes possible. That's the main. The book of Nehemiah is not about Nehemiah or the wall or the gates. It is about God. Every book of the Bible is about God. When a man or a woman believes it is possible with God, it becomes possible. The book of Exodus is about how God brings a nation out with a shepherd stuff with just one man, literally one man. Okay, And you see that consistently. The book of Joshua is about a, a set of people who have been freed from slavery. They're children who grew up in the wilderness knowing nothing of the world, how they overcome seven nations and possess the land. It's all about, I mean, and that's where faith comes from. The entire purpose of the Bible, of the teaching of the Word of God, is that it generates faith. And if faith is not generated, it is like an academic session where you can write an exam and get good marks, but when you apply for a job, they will say you're not qualified. Okay? In God's kingdom, if you need to get a job, you need faith. The rest of the things really do not matter. Really do not matter. Okay? He doesn't ask for a character certificate because he already knows you. <laughs> he doesn't want an experience certificate because he knew you were a failure. Okay? This is where we have to throw out our wisdom of the Egyptians out of the window and see, Lord, all you look is for faith. 
It's interesting. All he looks is for faith. And whether whichever book of the Bible you read, what should leap out is that one thing, faith. And the writer of Hebrews will finally sum it all up with one statement in verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. And any man, let's go there, because there are young new believers always listening. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, the preposition is. If I come to today, I'm standing behind the pulpit, I have to believe he is there with me, with us. He will take the word. He will take the word. It will not go void. He is today. He is today. And whoever logs in at whatever point of time, he still is for them. I am gone. I am outside time. Already spoke. I cannot take it back. I can do nothing with that. I cannot redo anything about that. Hour is past for me. But hour is never past for him who is outside time. That's how we have to believe. He is. And that he is a rewarder. Also when you go to him, that he is not a punisher. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So it doesn't matter what kind of a man or a woman is seeking him. He's the worst of sinners or the best of men. It could be a Samaritan woman on one day and Nicodemus on another day, but he's a rewarder of all those who seek him and those who diligently seek him. It could be the sickest of sick, which people will say, unclean, stand far away. But if you seek him, he will say, I am willing. So this this is the incredible factor about faith. So when we are studying, we are not studying Nehemiah and we are not writing something great. In his generation, he was a great man. But what made him great was simple thing, faith. It was what makes it. What will make us useful in God's kingdom is faith. It is faith. And that's what the whole idea is. So we see Nehemiah literally building the walls back. He's got a sword in his hand. He's got a spade in his hand. And he's got a guy with a trumpet beside him. Spurgeon, when he was uh, the, the great pastor of Metropolitan Tabernacle, used to publish... Uh, uh, not a book, newspaper, but a leaflet kind of a journal called The Trumpet and the Trowel, which means spade. And it was taken from the book of Nehemiah. The, 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 the what do you call it, the naming of that leaflet was taken from the book of uh, Nehemiah. How we build, literally that's the picture God is saying that. You're building the kingdom of God. Every one of us is a mason. Be careful how you build so that engineering is brought there in Corinthians. We are all building. But we are also, while building, fighting powers of darkness who are there day and night to tear down what we build. We can tear down. So we are looking at a physical picture and we are applying to it spiritually. We are trying to build our lives. We are trying to build our homes. And we are trying to build nations. And we saw what happens, what was built in four years in less than two months. They are tearing it down. Literally tearing the nation out. Okay, demonic ideologies, that's what they do. The problem is with the people, it's not with the people. They all look so nice, but it's not the problem. It's the ideas that captivate the people which are demonic. And that's what you see 
Okay. And you see, the, 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 if, you, if I look at it, I'd say, I mean, people need to be blind not to see it. Okay, this is because this is what happened in all the uh, communist regimes. What did? Why do we have problems in Ukraine and such? All these places is because what the Russians did during the communist regime. They pushed the Russians into all these satellite states and mixed them with the locals until you have Russians and the others over there. And then independence came in. There is a conflict, ethnic conflict. The Russians are there, the others. That's what the Chinese are doing all over China. They have flowing the Han-speaking majority into all those areas they have taken over, including Tibet, everywhere. That's what they do. Push. They push it. Okay. And that's what uh, they're doing in U.S. You know what? No, even in India, they're doing it. Even in U.S., what they're doing it, okay? Okay, what are they talking about? This white, 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 supremacy, whiteness, whiteness, whiteness. But you know how we're going to teach you a lesson? We'll open the walls and flood the nations with immigrants. Until you are a minority in your own land. That's your whole idea. So you don't matter. And it's got an ideology. But the whole thing is that they don't love either the immigrants <laughs> or the citizens. This is the problem. And so whereas the church comes in, we love both groups of people. And when the Holy Spirit moves, there will be only one nation. What people have not factored in is the power of the Holy Spirit. What the Spirit can do. Once the spirit moves, there will be no black and white. There is no Hispanic. There will be one nation called the holy nation. Okay, the Holy Spirit has to move. That's the key. The preaching of the word, otherwise the preaching of the word in the past 300 years would have united that nation. It has never done. It has never done. But wherever the Holy Spirit has moved, revival took place, they became one. Okay, you cannot have one without the other. That's why you have only white only churches and black only churches and Hispanic churches. Okay, it may be language. But if you keep the Spirit of God out, and when the Spirit of God brings unity, every barrier is removed. You don't see each other by the color of your skin. You realize you are saved by the same blood. You belong to the same Father. You are one family. And that's why we pray. Now, if revival has to take place, we look at the fundamentals of what is happening over here, and we ask Spirit of God, you have to move, Lord. You have to move. So you have this battle, and remember this battle is serious battle, and this battle never ever ceases. Because we are fighting, fighting a battle because, as he said, we are fighting for our homes. Literally fighting for our homes. We are fighting for our children. But in this entire battle, please do not forget who is with you. Who is with you. Don't forget who you are fighting for. And three, never give up. Certain causes can never be given. Okay, let's say Myanmar. Can we ever stop fighting for our children? Okay, when they reach that age, teenage, this thing, and they are in the world, they waver. That doesn't mean we give up. No, we never. That's a battle you never unsaved loved ones in our family, the people whom you care for, whom you love, you know. It's a battle that never ends. It's a battle that never ends. You know why? Because we are battling, fighting for souls. The world is fighting for things. The kingdom is fighting for souls. And when it comes to souls, the battle never, never ends. But we have to look at the blocks, what the enemy brings. The first one, let me quickly go through Nehemiah 3, 5. The first one we have to face within the body of Christ. Next to them, the tichoids made repairs, but the nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. Okay, it's apathy. 
it's apathy. The first block you will face is that. It doesn't matter how powerfully the Lord moves in a church. There will be still a set of people who are not interested. They're just saying, we did our duty, just let us finish and get over with it. In every workplace, everywhere, there is a set of people who will be apathetic to the move of God or any any vision. So we have to fight that. We should not let them affect us. Apathy will be always there. But we do not let them affect us. The second thing is for one, You see anger. Okay, it so happened when Sanballat heard we were rebuilding the wall, he was furious and very indignant. Anger comes, you know. You see, as long as you don't build anything, nothing will happen. As long as you don't build anything, nothing will happen. The minute you start building something, building something, you will start facing opposition. If you are not building anything, if you are not facing any opposition, that means you are building nothing. You are building nothing. If you are building something, start looking around. You will see you will start facing opposition. It may not come in this order, but it will come. Apathy will come. Anger will come. Ridicule will come. You have ridicule will be there. And if that doesn't stop, in verse 8, you will see the threat of forces there, right? Conspire to come and attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. Okay, in the middle of it, in verse 12, you will see among the people, you will have doubt and fear-mongering. Okay, that will always, oh no, it's not going to happen. Whatever way these things are too strong for us, too strong for us, nothing. That's, that's the kind of narrative that goes in U.S. now. There's nothing you can do. They've taken over everything. It's over. It is finished. They've got a grip for the next four years. So forget now. We wait for 2022. But even 2022, what can we do? They already got everything. The electoral mail-in voting, they are going to come. But that's not the point. What you're not doing is you're leaving one person out. You're leaving God out. This is the problem. And that's why he, Nehemiah is very, very careful to see that when he gets into this work, he does not let anybody who is not involved in faith Get involved with it. Because you know what? They become a stumbling block. But even if you have a little faith, you have to encourage them to grow in their faith. So all this. So when all this happen, what should one do or a leader do? What? You look at a pattern in the leadership in the Bible. The, the great leaders. One is, one is uh, Moses. The other is Joshua. The other is David. The other is Nehemiah. If you look at all these leaders, whenever they face a crisis, what did they do? They prayed. Okay, the first resort is the best resort. The first resort is is prayer, and that's what they always did. Whenever they faced a crisis, they turned to God. You look at Moses; he cried to God. He cried to God. He cried to God. He cried to God. He cried. To God. David; he turned to God. He turned. Whether it's a personal crisis or any national crisis, or with just four hundred men, he always turned to God, and that's something which we keep forgetting. <laughs> God says, Lord, why don't you do anything? He said, you haven't come yet. You haven't asked me. You haven't asked me. You never asked me. If you ask me, I will come. I give you the free will to choose. But if you not ask me, if you ask me, I am there. You ask me, you know. It's, it's, it's just like the simple illustrations you hear about a child trying everything and he came and father asked him to do something and he tried everything and he came back and said, I couldn't do that. And he asked uh, 
the child, did you try everything? He said, I tried everything. He said, no, you didn't try everything. No, I tried everything. He said, no, you didn't try one thing. What is it? You didn't ask me. <laughs> you didn't ask me. Okay, you didn't ask me. Okay. The last thing we do is, the first thing we should do. In this case, you know what? The first thing we need to do is pray. But when you pray, you know when Nehemiah prayed? When you pray. Look at Nehemiah's prayer. Okay, people have issues with Nehemiah's prayer, but God doesn't have issues with his prayer. So God has put it in scripture and God has no issues with Nehemiah's prayer. Don't be worried about it. Verse 4. Okay. What is it? Hear, O Lord, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads. Give them as plunder to a land of captivity. We'll say, oh, 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 what is this? Okay. Now, one of the fundamental things, honestly, fundamental things about prayer is that you can pray anything to God. You have to learn to went with God so that you don't went with people. You have to realize David used to went with God and then came out calm. Okay, God is... God is not surprised by anything. So Nehemiah is venting before God. Okay, and people are very, no, thou art, God says, come and, can we, why don't you come and, can we have a normal conversation? No? Normal? Normal conversation? No? I mean, our children, we used to allow them to vent. No, they, okay, everything over, okay, now let us calm down and talk, you know? You have to let, we have to, because there's one person, honestly, in life you can went with is God. Okay? And then, okay, if you keep on continuing, God also can lose it, like he did with Moses. Moses was when I cannot, I cannot, I can finally God lost it. And said, what are you talking about? I understand you can't, but that's why I'm here. Okay? You are not putting me in this picture. Okay? So God also lost it with him. Okay? So it's it's okay. It's fine. At least, no. You have to learn to admit to God exactly how you feel. And God has got no issues with it, okay? Because talking to God is always better than talking to the opposition. Okay? You come out calm, encouraged. Okay? Proverbs 26 and verse 4. 26 and verse 4. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. Don't, don't, uh, no. Don't talk to them in their language. Leave them alone. Go talk to God. Okay? Go talk to God. That's what Nehemiah is doing. Okay? He goes. He bends before God. You, know, you want to take it out? Your frustrations and all. Go before God and vent it out. What happens is, you are then able to come out with a clear mind. Now you have let off your steam and you hear from God. He encourages you and says, go back. Go back. No, that's what, you know? You know what Moses is saying? Why did you bring? Why did you put all this upon? Did I birth them? Okay, these are leaders. Okay, why did you know? He used to, and no, David used to went in his arms, and then by the end he's calm. He's calm. Okay, he's calm. And we have to look at these pictures. We'll say, oh, how can he pray like that? You know, the thing is that he's praying to God. He's not praying to man. He's saying, Lord, I mean, if you don't want to do this thing, it's fine with me. But I'm telling you, my heart, or this is what I want to do with my enemies. I want to break a few teeth and cry. God is okay, fine. Okay, you went it out. Now go calmly, go do your work. Okay. So the question is, <laughs> did you pray about it? The simple question is, did you pray about it? Okay. Simple question we need to ask is, did you pray about it? 
in Galatians 1.10. Okay, that's the fundamental principle. For do I persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Okay, when all this opposition is coming in, 15 people giving 15 different advice, the whole thing is that, what does God want me to do here? Because the whole idea is, what does God want me to do? Because the building of the wall is good for the people, but it is to please God. It is to please God. No, It is to please God. It is not to please man. That's a simple thing. People may benefit from it. People may have security from it. People may prosper from it. But ultimately, the question is, does it please God or not? And when it pleases God, the second part is... Is secondary, it is important, but not primary. So he says, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. So the whole idea of Nehemiah has to ask that there is opposition from within, outside, discouragement, doubt, everything, opposition, threat, war, everything. But the question is, did call, God call me to do this? That's the thing. Paul is looking, okay? Did God call me to do it? Did God call me to do it? I have to continue. That's what I said, the power of a call, because it is always easier. In life, you will all realize it's always easier to please God than man. We think it's difficult to please God. It's not true. It's difficult to please man. It's difficult to please. It's very easy to please God. It's not difficult to please God. We think sight is easier than faith. No, sight is very difficult. Faith is very easy. Once you get it, it's very easy to please God. Because you know what? He understands us completely. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temper tantrums. He knows everything. And he still says, I know what you are. What are you? You are this. Still I call you to do some work for me. So whatever you do in faith, I am pleased with it. I am pleased with it. Okay, that's the thing. Fundamental thing. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. For with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me, he is the Lord. Okay? So he says, it does not matter to me. It does not matter to me, you know. My life is in his hands. My purpose was ordained by him. And I will continue in spite of all the opposition. So the first thing is go to God in prayer. Went out everything. Let him judge you. If he has judged you in your prayer clause and in your come out, it doesn't matter what the opposition says. The judgment of the world does not matter because you've been called to please God and he has judged you. So even if you feel terrible about it, but God makes you feel good about it, go ahead, do your work. Only ultimately, only one verdict matters. It is God's work. Second thing, keep working. Do not let criticism stall the work. Immobilize you. Keep working. Nehemiah four six says, keep working. So we built the wall. An entire wall was joined together up to half its side for the people had a mind to work. In spite of it all, you should have a mind to work. Okay, yesterday we were talking about, no, evening we are talking about brain power and mind. These are two different things. People in the world have tremendous brain power. But mind is a different thing. You can have incredible brain power and have a wicked and an evil mind, a crooked mind, a devious mind. But we have the mind of Christ Jesus. 
It is not devious. We may not have their brain power, but we have to have a mind that is clear, that is clean, that is righteous. There's a difference between these two. So science and all these people will talk about how to increase your brain power and all those things work. But we don't want brain power. We want a mind that is aligned with God. A mind that is not conformed to the patterns of the world, but a mind that is the mind of Christ Jesus. Okay. So there, they had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. See, it all starts in the mind. We do not. Why don't people do, why don't people work? Because they don't have a mind to work. Mind to work. Yesterday something happened. This is, I mean, yesterday, like it's now more than 24 hours and still asking God. Because I can't remember it. Last night, this is absolutely clear, vivid dream. God was telling me something. And I woke up. And I woke up and I knew this time is very specific and you wouldn't believe. I just checked my mobile. It was exactly 1 a.m. 1 a.m. Because I usually never check time. I checked time. I knew it 1 a.m. I said, 1 a.m. You spoke to me. It's so clear. Then I fell asleep. I wake up. I forget it. But I haven't forgotten it was 1 a.m. It's still there in the mind. So I've been telling me, Lord, you spoke to me something at my 1 a.m. And it was very clear. And one, two words I remember from that 1 a.m. It is one thing. And it was 1 a.m. I've been asking him for the past 24 plus hours, Lord, bring it back. What is that you said? What is that? I know he will bring it back. See, everything begins in the mind. Why don't people work? Because they don't have a mind to work. Why don't people love? Because they do not have a mind to love. Why don't people care? Because they do not have a mind. It's always in the mind. Wherever your mind goes, you go, ultimately. And these people had a mind to work. And he had to work on their mind. <laughs> the leader Nehemiah works on their mind. And they have a mind to work. And before you know how the wall is done, let us say 26 days, 52, right? 26 days. Let us say 26 days, half the wall is done. You need to have a mind to work. Okay? Do not slide into doubt or despair. Okay? The antidote is work. That's why God gave man work. He did not give work to animals. Because animals were not created in his image. Why has God given man to work? Not to eat. Not to eat. Though he says a man who does not work should not eat, that does not mean he works to eat. He has given man work because it is one of the powerful antidotes for everything negative. A hard-working man hard-working man, let us say he works 12 hours a day, 8 hours, really hard physical work, this thing, you know. He has very little time for doubt, depression, discouragement, and other carnal sins, because he's worn out by the end of the evening. He has his meal, puts his head on his bed, and he goes to sleep. Okay. Work, hard work is an antidote to a lot of stuff that goes wrong. Work. And sloth and laziness is the reason for a lot of junk that is happening in the world. These are two different things. Hard work takes a lot of junk out of our lives. But if you don't work hard, a lot of junk will appear in our lives. And that was the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? So, we should not have prosperity without hard work. Hard work. We should not have hard work. Prosperity should only come after hard work. I'm not saying prosperity should come as a result of hard work. No. doesn't happen always like that. Prosperity should come after you have learned the discipline of hard work. So that even when prosperity comes, you'll continue working hard. The, the ethics of hard work doesn't go away. 
does. And that's why always when I heard about President Trump sleeping just four, five hours a day and he works hard, you know. I mean, why does he have to work hard? He's a billionaire. He's a president. He's got, I mean, Biden is sleeping. Trump was working. Okay. He's still sleeping, you know. Okay, why does he have to work hard? You know, it's not his, it's, it's because it is built into your system built in into your system. And you know why America has slid down? It's because the ethics of the, the, the older generation were hard work. You have to read their history, how they worked hard. You saw this Texas storm, and you know how they struggled. Think about how they struggled 200 years ago. The, the climate was the same. They had to build different kinds of houses for different kinds of seasons. You know, they used to build dig, dugouts. Dugouts is where you dig through for the winter. And for some of there are other houses and the ground was difficult. These were trailblazers and they had to always with one hand on the spade, the other hand on the rifle. That's why this, they are so reluctant to get, get rid of their guns. Uh, let's accept the fact the American Indians were there. But the American Indians were not farmers. They were not builders. They were hunters. And it's a simple philosophy of old days. The land belongs to who farms. The American Indians, okay, they had some maize and some corn and all, but basically they were hunters and they fought among themselves. It's the whites who came in who changed the land, but it was a difficult terrain. And many, many died, but they slogged day and night and built that nation. You know what? The children threw it away. The children threw it away. Children threw it away. They do not work. Because they do not work, okay? And then prosperity came in. They had no work ethics. And then drugs and alcohol and everything started getting pumped in. And a nation is going down. The nation is going down, okay? How is the way back? So there may be a temporary respite. You want a permanent respite? You need to go back. And you need to understand that is exactly what the system is trying to do. Why is the system trying to encourage big business and destroy small business? Big business makes you slaves. Makes you slave. Small business is entrepreneurship. Okay, you put your hand into it. You work hard. You are trying to give everything, and they are destroying small businesses all around India, all around the world. Even in India, they are trying to destroy all of this out and try to. This is basically the farm laws, basically giving the land over to the big companies. You can lease out to them. They will come and offer you a price and lease out to them. They will take it and ultimately make you slaves over your own land. This is a whole agenda of big business. Okay, but that's not how nations were built. Ultimately, you know, that's what the stimulus checks is all about. Making people sluggish, sloth is being encouraged and not hard work. And they are reluctant to open up, though the virus is not doing as much damage as it is. Really speaking, it is not. It's open up here. Things are working. Everything is going on. Okay, we're supposed to have around 50 or 60 variants over here. Things are opening. Why are they not opening up? Because it's got to do with an agenda. It's a communist socialistic agenda to be make us dependent upon the government. And private property is not encouraged. While the kingdom of God begins with Israel moving into the promised land. And every man is promised a plot of land. That's why it's called the promised land. And you cannot, even if he goes into poverty and he gives it the land to somebody, and it has to be returned back to him. It is for him for generation. Even King Ahab could not change it. If you don't have land, where do you work? 
You worked in your land. That was your. And if when you come to Isaiah, you see the restoration, the millennial kingdom. Each man will have his plot. He will have his wine tree and he will sit under it. So God will restore it. There will be no communist, globalist, socialist agenda in the in the millennium rail. Each man will have his place. Okay, he'll have his place and God will start restoring and everybody will start working and people will enjoy work. So you will see that don't let the enemy discourage you from what God has asked you to do. Put your hand to it and work hard. Okay? Because the vision is from God. Everybody needs a vision. People need a vision. Our issue is that people do not have a vision. You need to have a vision. And if you're waiting for everyone to agree with the vision from God, it will never happen. It will never happen. If you have 100 people in a church and you're waiting for 100 people to agree to the vision, it's never going to happen. So you have to start your work. Okay? A Nehemiah company works harder under the tongue of the critics and the threats. If you look at verse 21, how they work. So we labored in the work. They didn't work. We labored. Half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. Usually people only work till sunset. Okay, now they're putting in overtime. Until it was dark. The last, what are they talking about? The Bible talks about redeem the time for the days are evil. What does it mean, redeem the time? Maximize your time. Okay, when we do something, you know, when we squeeze things out of juice or something, we try to, let us take a lime. Okay, we try to use the squeezer and try to take the last drop out. Okay, that's exactly what they are doing with time. Till the last bit of light is left, they are working. Last bit of light is left, they are working. So God is talking about, look at them, he's saying how they are working. Because they know there's a limited time, there is threats over, we need to finish this work and we got 12 hours a day. But let us say daylight savings in the US they have. We have one hour extra, I'm not going home, I'm going to work one hour extra, you know what, to finish this task. Why? Because I'm ultimately fighting for my home. The faster I finish, the safer my home is. That's what they are doing. So they're not working less, they are working more. Think about what they had to. Think about Noah, how he built the ark. Must have been only critics all around. <laughs> right? Think about Isaiah. The men of God, what they had to go through. I have a very interesting portion in Isaiah 20, verse 2 and 3. The same time the Lord spoke by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and remove the sackcloth from your body and take your sandcloths of your feet. And he did so walking naked and barefoot. The Lord said, just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and a wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia. All he's wearing is, I mean, he, they do not have underwears then. They wear kind of loincloth kind of. That's all he's walking and showing his bums. Three years he had to walk like that. That's a picture. You know what humiliation and scorn and these people must have gone through? You're out of your mind. What kind of a prophet you are? But he's the prophet. He's the prophet. See, when God calls people, he will ask them to do crazy stuff, impossible stuff, which will make no sense to anybody else. But it makes sense to God. 
And it will make sense to subsequent generations. Now we know why Isaiah walked like that. He says, because that's the way my people are walking, showing all of their shame to the Gentiles. So here's a picture of the prophet walking like only one righteous man in the midst. He's uncovered. Well, he's the only one who's covered, but he's uncovered to say that the nation is uncovered before God. You know, so we need to look at these pictures and we look at, you know, so don't be worried about what the skeptics say, the critics say, the mockers say, the scoffers say. If you have received a word from the Lord and a vision from the Lord, keep working. Keep working. Remember for certain tasks, certain tasks, you have only limited time. It, every task which God gives you, you do not have all the time. You have only limited time, so maximize your time. And then the third thing. So one is pray first. Second, keep working in spite of the opposition. Third is 414. I looked, arose, and said to the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. And that's important. It's a simple word there. But we do not realize how much we lose because we do not remember. We do not Remember the Lord. He brings in something there. Remember the Lord. Because our natural human mentality is to forget. Forget. It says, remember the Lord. Remember his goodness. Remember his faithfulness. Remember people. Even remember people. It's a very simple thing. It's very good to remember people. You know? People may have hurt us in the past. But when we choose to remember them, go back to the last point of the goodness and stop your memory there and put exit there. Always easy to live in life. Okay. When you say, think about things that are noble, what does it mean? Is there, I mean, when I counsel with people who have come through broken marriages and all kind of junk, I tell them, but there must have been some good times. Yeah, think only on that. Leave it alone. Don't let them rent space in your head and mess up your life. Your life. The problem is we choose to remember the negative. We don't choose to remember <coughs> the positive. You know, positive. But when it comes to the enemy, we choose to remember the positive. We choose to rem- forget the negative. Oh, we remember how we sat around flesh pots in Egypt and how we ate. We didn't forget the whiplashes. And the children were thrown into the Nile to be eaten by the alligators and the crocodiles. We've got all that. All we can remember is those flesh pots. When comes the enemy, we remember what we should forget. And we forget what we should remember. But with God, we choose to forget. And this is our fundamental issues. Remember the goodness. Okay? In Psalm 103, And verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and... See, why are we not able to bless? Honestly, why are we not able to bless? Because we have forgotten all his benefits. See, they come together. If I have forgotten his benefits, then I am not going to bless his name. But if I remember all his benefits, then I am. Because we always have to... Our, our issue is that we have swallowed the lie of the enemy in the garden still. At some point in our life, some part of our brain still functions like we are God. We need to accept, I am not God. And if I have an extra minute today, it's because of God's mercy. 
he owes me nothing. He owes me nothing. This is the fact. He owes us nothing. Okay. He owes us nothing. Forget not all his benefits. You know what Nehemiah said? Remember. Remember. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, why did that church go down in history? Simple thing. Remember. Therefore, from where you have fallen. They forgot to remember. They forgot. They forgot their earlier walk with God. They forgot how God was, how good God was to them. They forgot how God had ministered in their life, in their midst. They forgot. They forgot. The first indictment is only one thing. Everything about you is good. But you have forgotten something. And I want you to remember that. Remember. Remember. In First Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. If you look at the early church, whenever they gathered, they had communion, meaning they ate bread and they drank wine. He said, Whenever you do that, remember me, what I did for you. You'll never forget what I did for you. My body was broken for you. My blood was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Meaning that every meal they had, literally, when they gathered in the evenings, every meal was a remembrance of his sacrifice. That's what communion is. That's what communion is. We have turned communion. That's the other side of it. But we have turned communion into a benefit for us and forgotten what he has done. But he said, do this in remembrance of me. The power of communion. The power of communion is not what the bread and the wine does to us. It's the remembrance of what he did for us so that we'll be eternally grateful. Because if he hadn't done that, we are not there. We are done. We are finished. We are gone. So he says, whenever you do this, eat it or drink it. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget. Don't forget. Okay, This is the ultimate gesture of God for mankind which he never did for anybody, not for the angels, nobody. Only for man, he did something. And this this cannot be equaled in, ever in history, what God did for man. God did for man. And God says, do this in remembrance of me. So the third thing is, yes, pray, work hard, and never forget what God has done for us. Never, never forget what God has done for us. So when God calls us to do something, remember, if it is a God thing, Meaning, if it is from God, then God will make it happen. God will make it happen. Nobody can stop it. Only you can stop it. But even if you stop it, God will find somebody else to finish the task. If it is, if that vision is bigger than you. Because usually all visions are bigger than us. If Moses had said no, God would have used somebody else. The deliverance of God's people is not going to stop. If Joshua had given up, she would have told Caleb to lead. Mordecai said that. <laughs> Esther, remember. You think you're sitting there in the palace for your sake. No. For a time and a season like this, God raised you. If you do not do this, deliverance will rise from another quarter. God's work. If Mary had said, no, I don't want to bear this child. 
because people will think it is illegitimate. Um, the man I love will not marry me. I am more interested about my life. Please find somebody. God would have found somebody. From the line of David. That also won't change. From the city of Bethlehem. That also will not change. You would have found anybody. Because God's plans can't be thought by the will of man. So we need to realize when God has called us to do anything, it's a privilege, it's an honor. However small it is, it does not matter. It is from a great God. So if it is from God, it will be done. That's what he's trying to tell them in Nehemiah 14. He says, you know, remember, remember who is the one who started. Okay. Yeah. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren. Remember, he is the one who is with you. Fight. Don't worry about them. He is with you. I've told you how the good hand of the Lord was there. And you have seen my witness. He's been there as we through it all. He brought us through it all. He's allowed this much to happen. And know what you are fighting for. God is in it. So if he's started something, the Bible says he's faithful to finish it too. And the fourth thing. Don't forget what you are building. You're building the walls of salvation and hanging the gates of praise. So guard your heart from bitterness. Okay? Anger, wrath, oppression, threat, all is from outside. But bitterness can result from inside. Guard your heart. Ephesians 4 and verse 31. Hebrews 12, 15. Let all bitterness, first mentioned is his bitterness, all bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15. Looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Whenever you are in a construction project, a home is a construction project. Your own life is a construction project. A church or a ministry is a construction project. There will be always conflicts. If you're trying to build your own life, because God told you something, immediately envy and bitterness arose from Joseph's ten brothers. But the problem is not them. The problem is he. Will you guard your heart from bitterness? They're going to deal harshly against you because of your dream, because of your vision. It's a person. In a marriage, in a home, when you're trying to build a home, you know, something, bitterness can rise from the wife or bitterness can rise from the husband. God says, will you guard? Bitterness can rise from the children. Because you're building something. As long as you're not building, then even dead fish float down. You want to go up, you need to be alive. If you're building something in your personal life because God gave you something or a home or a church or a ministry, there will be bitterness. And you have to guard your heart from bitterness. Because if, because you forget in this entire construction project, it is, Nehemiah is the case, other walls there? No, it's gone. Just only for a period. But the lessons of Nehemiah is carried out into all time. The walls are gone. There's no temple in Jerusalem. There's nothing, just a wailing wall. The wall is still wailing. There's nothing there. But the principles continue. You will finish the construction. You will go back to Jerusalem. How will you go back to Jerusalem? How will you? Yes, your brother sold you and you have wasted in their eyes 13 years. In your God's eyes, the most useful period in your life. But it will be only useful 
if you come out without bitterness. If you have brought bitterness, the entire 13 years was a waste. Was a waste. And that's what happens to people. Entire 13 years, can 10 years can be a waste. So in this construction project, we need to realize, and we, we all go through this, especially if you're trying to build a church, you'll always face opposition because you will have 15 people come with 15 different ways how the church has been, has to be built. But the vision was given to somebody else. And you have to look for people who will fit in with the vision and say, you have a vision, God bless you, do your project. Then people get bitter. But you have to guard your heart from bitterness. Otherwise, you will never be a true leader true leader. No? And you have to guard your heart because when people leave, your construction should not stop. If it is from God, it will not stop. It stops only if it is from man because your dependence is upon man. But if the construction was started by God, even when people leave, you need to thank God by saying, thank you Lord for that person. That person was here for a season and now God bless him. He is gone or she is gone. God will give you other people to complete the project. But if it is from man, then you are dependent upon the arm of flesh. Arm of flesh. We need to realize arm of flesh. No, That's because we know what we are doing, talking about. We've been building, building a church. Like Gathering a crowd is so easy. Building a church is very, very difficult. But from the first person who left to the other ones who have left, you know what? We guard our heart. Honestly, I have to guard my heart before God. Otherwise, you know, it simply doesn't work. You can preach a message, but the anointing won't flow. Anointing won't flow. You know, anointing. And I'm telling you, you know, yesterday was one of my happiest days, not because, because of, <laughs> because of what you say, because of the messages I preach, but from people who have left years back, suddenly I get a message. You know? Papu, I wish I could just run and come over to your place and hide and use your shoulder to cry. I just want to thank the Lord even for these times. I listen to your sermons daily, Papu. I miss you, Ma, and the church. These are people who left the church years ago. You know why? You keep your heart clear and you keep loving them. The first person who left the church, I'm not mentioning the first person who messed the church, met somebody, this was years ago when this person left, and I loved them all, okay, met somebody whom I know at some funeral and told that person, tell Pastor James, I love him and I miss him. And that's all that needed. That's all that is needed, you know, so that you know you are building something and that you hold nothing in your heart. And people were there for a season. People left. Will they come back? I do not know. But the whole question is, no, at the end of the day, when God brings your brothers before you and you are in a position to help them, you should never be bitter. You should be able to say, devil meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Because we are not just building a brick wall. You are building the walls of salvation. You can build the walls of salvation and not able to hang the gates if you have bitterness inside, if you have anger inside, if you have wrath inside, if you have clamor inside your heart, you will not be able to hang the gates. The walls are great, incredibly strong walls, but the gates are gates of anger. 
the gates are gates of bitterness. The gates are gates of clamor because what the gates open, what comes out is what matters. God say the gates are gates of praise and thanksgiving. You know? And if you look at Apostle Paul and you look at his letters, this man was beaten up in every place he went. But you will see nothing in his heart. Nothing. To the point like Moses, a new covenant Moses, he says, I wish my name could be taken away from the book of life and the names of the people who beat me up, the Jews, could be put over there. You know, that's gates of praise. That's what the Bible is talking about. Looking carefully. Okay? Looking carefully. Anyone fall short of the grace. So how do I look carefully? Am I falling short of the grace of God? How do I look carefully? To see if there is any root of bitterness springing up. Causing me to be defiled. To be defiled. No? And that's what God is saying. That, that's where the principle of forgiveness. And Jesus knows that. If any man walked on earth who never harmed anybody and only blessed everybody, was he? And he knows the principles he will write later through his apostles. And the first statement he makes on the cross is to see there is absolutely no vestige of bitterness. Bitterness. And lives, homes, churches, ministries, nations are destroyed by bitterness. Fifth one. Nehemiah 4, verse 22. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. A God-given vision has to be guarded day and night. Day and night. It cannot be guarded only by day. It has to be guarded by night because the Bible is very clear. When men slept, the enemy came. and no, So we have to be watchful in prayer. God gave you a vision. Remember when people are sleeping, when we are sleeping, when we are not guarded, the enemy will come and sow tears. Will sow tears. We have to be on our guard. Okay. The God-given vision has to be guarded day and night. You only work during one time, but you guard day and night. You work during day, but you guard during day and night. Because one activity does not stop day and night. It is the guarding of the vision. The activity might be only during day. The working may be only during day. But the guarding is day and night. And the final, verse 23, the last verse in that chapter, is an incredible chapter, verse so neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. Okay? So he's a leader, but he lives among them. He's sleeping on the ground. They are there day and night. He's working with them. Okay? But the thing is that they never took off their clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. We need to understand this fundamental principle in the new covenant. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 11 and verse 13, 11 and 13, not 11 to 13, 11 and 13. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Two things are meant, the wiles of the devil and he will cause the evil day to come. And we are asked to put on the full armor of God. 
That's our clothes. That's our clothes. We don't take them off. And when we take them off, we only take them to wash. And in the thing is that in the new covenant spiritual thing, you don't take them off to wash. You wash them wearing it. You don't take them off at all. They have to be washed. Truth has to be checked. Truth has to be washed up because sometimes our truth will start getting stained. Our righteousness has to be checked out because sometimes we become self-righteous instead of standing on the righteousness of God alone. The belt of truth, right? The breastplate of righteousness, the shoes girded no, with oh, peace. We have to check our peace. Do I really have peace with God or is there false peace? Do I have peace with all men? Do I have peace with all men? We have to check our shoes. No, check our shoes. No, check our shoes. Like for me, I check my shoes because my soul's hurt, really hurt. You know, really hurt. And why? Because you see, when your soul's hurt, that's why I have to have shoes. Now I need the carpet I'm wearing it because my soul's hurt like crazy. When your soul's hurt, it affects your whole body. And God says, do you have peace? You know, when you do not have peace, it affects everything. You, especially if it is people close to you, if it's your wife or your children or no, some your manager or your boss or somebody, if you do not have peace with them, you will see it affects your work. It affects your work. And above all, if you do not, you're a believer and you don't have peace with God. That is why David could not sleep. Though everything is okay in the kingdom. Things are all cool, calm, everything victorious, no war, no this thing, it's peace. Uriah is dead, Bathsheba is wife, everything is cool. Man has no peace. Absolutely no peace. You know, because God says, these are your clothes. You should not take off your peace. You should be walking in peace. Okay? We call it working clothes. The armor of God is our working clothes. We don't take them a hope. Okay? You don't take your helmet of salvation off. The minute you take that helmet off, which is part of you, this thing, your thinking goes wonky. You start thinking like the world. You can't take it off. Why do people go down? Because they put the helmet down, right? When you go get off the bike, the first thing we take is the helmet off. It's automatic, it's natural, we take the helmet and put off, right? When the soldier comes from back from war, the first thing he takes is takes his helmet off. But God says, this is something you cannot take off. You cannot take off. You have to check your helmet. So this is the clothes they are talking about. Okay. So go back and we will go to prayer. Because our armor is spiritual. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. If you look at it, what zeal in building a building at this thing. How zeal. They were on it 24-7. 24-7. In the midst of hostility from actually three groups, Three groups are aligned against them. And they are powerful groups. But he gets them, motivates them, gets them back to the work, encourages them, keeps a guard day and night, keeps them in positions where they know, I have a stake in this, this is about my family, this is about my children, this is about my future. And he says, we are building a wall which is for everybody. This is for everybody. And that's how we have to build a church. The church is everybody's place. It's for you. I and my wife can retire. <laughs> but it's no, it's our home. It's our children. It's our people. It's, it's ours. It is ours. What are we trying to build? We are trying to build a home where God is comfortable, 
first. Not you are comfortable. God is comfortable and you are comfortable. But it is built by grace. It is built by grace. Not minus truth. With truth. By grace. Okay, The balance. It's not built by law. That's why the old covenant temple was destroyed. It reflected the glory of the law. But God says in the last days he will rebuild the tabernacle of David. It's built by grace. And the only thing that happened in tabernacle of David was praise. There was no sacrifice. There's only only praise. Just praise. Okay, only praise. And that's the new covenant life. The new covenant life is a life of praise. Why? Whatever we do, we always remember what he did. Do this in remembrance of me. All we can do is praise. And we look at those pictures in the book of Acts and says, you know, whatever happens, you know what? I can still praise him. Because it's over. It is done. I've seen the end of the story. I've seen the end of the story. When I read Revelation 20 and 21 and 22, we don't going there, but just read. Let's for people read the you know, 21 uh, uh, verses 1 to 5. I love it. Okay. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no mercy. I love that. No mercy. Hallelujah. I hate the sea. Then I saw John, but I like sea fish. Saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. I heard a loud voice from heaven. That's the thing. We are looking at the bride. For me, this is the key. Because we are part of the bride or will be part of, maybe become part of the bride. So I'm not interested in the bride. I'm interested in the other thing. I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he may dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. That is the key. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And when you see the walls of the new Jerusalem, there are huge, massive walls and 12 gates. And each gate is a mother of pearl. It's a pearl gate. Okay, so it's not built by Nehemiah. It's just a picture to learn principles. The real walls and gates are built by God. And it is there. If it's a real city or a symbolic city, we do not know if it is real. It is there. I believe construction is already over. God is just waiting for the people to come home. To learn the principles here and come home and live in that city. We are not building any city. Even Abraham was not building. He was looking forward to the city. Here is God. Let's go there. Let's go there. That one, one, no? Hebrews chapter 11. I see, yeah, 11, 12 or 13. Yeah. That is, even Abraham who led the Arab, the Chaldeans, he was not going for that. What was he going for? 16, yeah. What a city. That, uh, now they desire a better place. Oh, no, no, no. Not that. Not that one. No, not that one. It's 10. Yeah, this is yeah, 10. Okay. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's the city we are looking forward to. Those have walls built by God. 
those are gates built by God. Okay, and that's our eternal dwelling place. He waited for the city. And in the meantime, how did he dwell? He dwelt with his sons Isaac and his grandson Jacob in tents. In tents. I said, we are living in tents. You are okay with it. You are not a problem. Okay, come honey, let's pray. Let's pray. So we always have hope. So we are not hopeless people. In spite of whatever happens, and doesn't matter, she rules, Biden rules. We are not bothered about them. We know who rules. Our God rules. Our God reigns. And he's building a city for us. They can take everything from us, but we cannot lose. Father, we just come to you this morning, Lord. Even when we study Nehemiah, we look forward to what you are doing for us. You're building a city. For your people. Whose streets are of gold. And the river of life flows from the very throne room of God. There are trees on both sides for the healing of nations. Your servants will have your name on their forehead and they shall serve you seeing your face. There will be no sorrow, no pain, no death, no grief. You yourself, our Father, will dwell with us and among us. And everything that we do on earth is to learn the lessons how to live there. How to be the children of the living God. Oh, Father, help us not to forget. We are a community of grace. People who are saved by grace. People who receive the mercy of God. We did not earn it. We could have never earned it. We received it freely. Therefore, you said freely you have received. Freely you give. A community that walks in grace. A community that walks in truth. A community that walks in mercy and yet is building a kingdom. Building a kingdom. Yes, we will face opposition. There are powers of darkness and Sanballats and all who are aligned with them. Given over to work of evil to stop the kingdom of coming. If we are trying to hasten the coming of Jesus Christ, the devil is trying to delay the coming of Jesus Christ. We come to you this morning. Yes, there are prayer requests. Sick people. Ill in their bodies. People troubled in their minds. So many. Enslaved in their own homes. Which are not homes. Which are just houses. Where there is no love. There is no grace. There is no mercy. There is no peace. Enslaved in those structures. Offices where they are just like slaves. There's so much pain and sorrow and misery. But we have our Father. Who walks with us. You didn't leave us alone. As you Lord Jesus said. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come back to you. I'll send somebody just like me. If you were just like the Father. 
then the Holy Spirit is just like you. And you have left him with us. So Father, we just want to thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. The kindness of the Holy Spirit who wakes us up each morning and speaks to us when we go to sleep. Gives us rest. Gives us that comfort. Gives us that assurance. So that we can truly say, all is well with my soul. Because God is with me. And God is for me. God is not against me. That all the things that we struggle with and all that we face, soon all this will pass. A new day is dawning. A day without end, where there is no night. But till then we are asked to do a work, fulfill a vision that has been given by God. And I pray this season, Lord, I pray this season for your people everywhere within the churches. All will receive a vision from God for their own lives. We are all building something. What is our part in that building? That way we receive our Father. That people will not just float around. Like thermocol in water, going nowhere. People will receive a vision from God. Because this is the season God is pouring out His Holy Spirit upon all flesh. They shall receive visions and dreams. Young men and old men, nobody is past receiving a vision. No old, there is no cut off age in the kingdom of God. It's only in the kingdom of men there is a cut off age. In the kingdom of God there is no cut off age. Can receive a vision. Doesn't matter how old you are. And fulfill your purpose before your time is up. For there is a God who promised I will give you back all the years that the locusts have eaten. All these locusts. Every kind of worm that has eaten your life up. And you look back and say, I look back at my wasted years. If only I had known God in those days. God says, don't regret. Don't regret. I'm the God of time. I can add to your years. That in your last years, you can do more than most people can do in all their lifetime. You can. God says you can. So I pray, Father, we will put our hands to this construction project. This incredible, unimaginable, the most glorious project called the kingdom of God on earth. That's our prayer always, O Lord. Thy name, thy kingdom, thy will. That's what we are building. You said the kingdom of God doesn't come with observation. The kingdom of God is within you. We are first building the kingdom in our own lives. Then in our homes. Then in our churches. And as the churches expand their influence, our communities will change. Help us not to forget the purpose. Oh, Father. Help us to be a vessel of your grace, your mercy, your kindness, your love. Let these hands be your hands. Let these feet be your feet. Help us to walk the land like you walked. Blessing people, healing people, delivering people, challenging people to taste and see that the Lord is good. And stand in the breach. Build a gap. And stand with our back 
stiff, hard, convinced that this is a good battle. To fight the powers of darkness. To fight the thief who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy our inheritance, our children. That's our inheritance, not the land. We are not after land, we are not after houses, we are not after money, we are not after things, we are after souls. The devil is after souls. God is also after souls. And that's our battle. We are after souls. And every soul is precious in your sight. It doesn't matter whether it's a leper or a prostitute or a divorcee five times over. Or a member of the Sanhedrin. It didn't matter to you. You saw the value of every human soul. And you were always willing. And I pray, Father, we know what we are building. We know what we are building. A kingdom full of souls. Your Father will be happy. If his barn is full. What we can bring is a harvest of souls. 2021. It's a year of harvest. If 2020 was a year of the pandemic and fear. And doubt and lockdown. But in God's kingdom 2021. is a beginning of the harvest. As Joseph saw the seven years of plenty. The years of plenty in the kingdom of God is beginning. This is not the season of famine. This is the season of harvest. Souls are going to come in during these tough times in unprecedented numbers around the world. All God is looking for is a set of people who will stand there in one accord and pray and proclaim and he will release his spirit upon all the earth. That's what we are praying for. When the spirit falls, the rest will fall into place. Sicknesses will go from the body. Demonic spirits will leave. There will deliverance take this in place. People will have enough in their lives. Hallelujah. More than enough. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Because our God gives us not enough. He gives us more than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God will see the power and the glory of God being manifested on earth. Yes, Yes, my God. For that the Holy Spirit has to come. Yes, Lord. Yes. Like never before. That's our cry, Lord. That's our cry. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sanctify us. Prepare yes, us. Yes, this whole Please, Jesus, teaching prepare. sessions are to prepare vessels yes, to receive the outpouring of the Holy yes, Spirit yes. when it happens. Prepare and it can happen prepare suddenly. Prepare suddenly. Hallelujah. On the Hallelujah. day of Pentecost, it happens suddenly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For Joseph in the Hallelujah. prison, yes. it happened suddenly. Hallelujah. One instant, yes, Lord. Yes. everything was changed. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes. Jerusalem, the city of God, in one, one instant, yes. everything was changed yes, and the world would never be the same again. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. One moment in the wilderness looking after sheep. The next instant, the horn of oil over your head. One instant, David's life was changed forever. Yes, yes. That is our God. That is our God who will change things instantly. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. All we have to do is prepare 
and wait. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh Father. Oh Father. Oh Father. We are called to do what we are called to do. What God can do, only God can do. What you have to do, you will do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, you will do. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. You will do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will not do man's work. Hallelujah. And no man can do God's work. Hallelujah. 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 We believe today, Father. We will not shorten our your hand no, by Lord, our unbelief. No, Lord, we will not. We, will we not, open we will not. the floodgates of our heart of faith. We yes. release the hand of God. Yes, Lord. Be God over our lives. Yes, Lord. Be yes. God over our homes. Hallelujah. Be Hallelujah. God over the nations of yes, Lord. Lord. Yes, Lord. Stretch forth your hand, yes, O Father. My God. Stretch forth your hand. As the disciples cried out yes, when opposition God. rose yes, and persecution God. rose yes, in that city. They came back to you and said, Lord, stretch That's forth Lord. your hand yes, Lord. to do signs and wonders yes. and healings, O oh Lord. Yes, Lord. Do yes, not restrain Lord. your hand. Yes, when the Lord. enemy comes in like a flood, Spirit stretch Lord. forth your hand yes, of power, O oh Lord. Push him back and heal your people. Heal the land, O oh Lord. People are hurting everywhere, in every nation. People are hurting. It's not that you only care for the righteous. You care for the unrighteous yes, too. But your word says your rain falls upon both of them. It's not that in the old covenant you cared only for the Jews. You cared for the Gentiles too, Lord. That's what you told Jonah. There are 120,000 people in that city besides animals who do not know their left hand from their right hand. Should I not care for them? You care for everyone who is hurting, the believing and the unbelieving, because you created them all. And only the church has the answer. The church that allows the Holy Spirit to have sovereignty over its workings. The church that allows the Lordship of the Holy Spirit to be real in their midst. Only that church can have that answer. Because God's answer to mankind was twofold. He gave His Son and He gave His Spirit. And the church has nothing else and the church doesn't need anything else. The church needs only the Son and the Spirit. And where the Son and the Spirit comes through, always there will be light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where the Son and the Spirit comes together, there will be always life. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. That's what we speak, Lord. Oh, Father. Let them come together once again. Hallelujah. One more time. Let your son, let your spirit come together and bring forth life, Lord. Bring forth life. Let the word go forth. Let the spirit empower, Lord. Yes, my God. Let it bring forth life. Yes, Lord. Let every work of the powers of darkness be destroyed. Because darkness has no answer to light. It has no answer to light. As the powers of darkness rise, our answer is let your light go forth. Let your light go forth. In these covens, in these places where the powers of darkness have gathered together and the work of darkness is happening, what we speak is the light of God. Let the light of God blaze in those dark places from corner to corner and destroy the works of darkness. For the demons will flee before thy light, O God. Speak, Father, your light, your fire to follow master. That is the works of the wicked. They will raise one person for power and they will plot to destroy him to take over that power. 
That's how evil and how wicked these people are. But our God is a different God. Our God is a God who says, if you overcome, you can sit on my throne and reign with me. That's our God. Oh, Father, we come against the powers of darkness. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, it is full moon. It is ritual night in one part of the world. It is ritual night. All the coins are full. The wizards and the witches have come together. They have called a day of prayer, not in the church, but in the coven. They have called for a day of prayer to Satan, Lucifer, to bring the one world order into place. They have called a day of prayer and fasting. But it will not happen. All your works will fall to the ground. Every place where they have gathered and calling upon Lucifer for power to bring the new world order into place, we call down fire. We call down fire. I call down fire in the name of Jesus. The God of Elijah will send down fire and burn these places, O Lord. Burn these places out, O Lord. Your one world order will not come to pass. It is not the time. This is not the time. This is the time of harvest. This is the time of harvest. There will be confusion. 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 You said in your word, if two of you agree on anything on earth, it shall be done in heaven. We speak confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Absolute total confusion in the ranks of the enemy. Because in darkness, there is only confusion. In darkness, they do not know friend from foe. They will fight among themselves. They will destroy each other, O God. Let there be confusion. And we speak light in the camp of God. There will be light in the camp of God. There will be faith in the camp of God. There will be unity in the camp of God. There will be power in the camp of God. There will be anointing released in the camp of God. There will be dreams and visions released in the camp of God. There will be gifts of the Holy Spirit released in the camp of God. The camp of God will not sit there defenseless. They will be powerful. They will be equipped by the very Spirit of God or Master. Yes, O Lord. Today is the day, O Lord, when the era is, O Lord. And your enemies will flee. Your enemies will flee, Lord. I bind Baphomet in the name of Jesus of Nazareth you will go down into the abyss Leviathan will go down into the abyss you will not rise they can call like on the Mount Carmel they can cut themselves they can kill they can shed blood but none of you will arise go down now into the abyss Baphomet will go down Leviathan will go down Ra will go down Seth will go down Osiris will go down Isis will go down all of you will go down you will not rise. You will not rise. No demonic God will rise. Go down. For we have been given authority in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You said in my name you shall cast out demons. You are demons. We cast you out. Go down from where you came. Go down from where you came. We trample upon you. We tread upon you. 
We tread upon you. We trample upon you. You cannot harm us. You have no power to harm us. For the God of peace shall crush your king Satan very soon under the feet of the church. Under the feet of the church. Oh, the virgin daughter of Israel, under our feet, your head shall be crushed. Yes, it will be. He who touches you, touches the apple of mine eyes, says the Lord. Take your hands of God's people. Take your hands of God's church. Stretch forth your hand and bless your people, Lord. Stretch your people, Lord. Bless us, my God. The people who are struggling in U.S., the small businesses, Lord. your people. Touch them. The demonic agenda to destroy them. But God's agenda is to prosper them. In an instant it will happen. It will happen. Let them hang in there. Let them not give up. Let them not shut down. Let them not close up. Let them know God is with them. God is for them. In an instant their deliverance will come. In the name of Jesus. He will deliver his people. That's what you're told. Eat your Passover in haste. Gird your loins. Take your staff in your hand. Be ready to leave the place of darkness. In an instant, Israel's deliverance came. And they did not go out poor. They went out rich. They come against all the powers of darkness and the men and predators who are going after the children, Lord, because they know the devil gives them more power if they get a hold of the children. We plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over the children, Lord, over the babies, oh Lord, all the children and the babies, we plead the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, oh Lord, oh Father, oh the blood of Jesus over the children. All our children are protected, Lord, and they shall be taught of the Lord, oh Master, oh Father. Let every abortion clinic yes. shut down in, in Jesus name O oh Lord the let them have no custom O oh Lord touch the hearts in of the, the mothers O oh Lord in they the are troubled yes Jesus. they are yes. weighed down yes. by the worries of the world but you comfort them you give them strength O Lord and you tell them O Father to stand there firm Lord that you are with them you are the father of the unborn of man yes maybe the father has run away he has washed his hands he says I don't know whose child this is but you our Lord will stand beside them and says, that's my child. That's my baby. I take responsibility. I am the father of the unborn. Your, your child is not illegitimate. He has a father in heaven who calls him or her by name, O oh God. Speak to these sisters, O oh Lord. Oh, speak to these mothers, O oh Lord, that they will not abort their babies, O oh Lord, because they are precious in your sight, O oh Master, O oh Lord. So these, O oh Lord, when the Holy Spirit moves, O oh Lord, Spirit of God, move, Lord. Move over the babies. Move over the wombs. Move over these mothers. Move over these people, Lord. Move over them, O Lord. That there will be a restraint in their inner man, O Lord. That even if somebody is now waiting at the doors of the abortion clinic, they will turn around and say, No. No, I can't do this. Yes, Lord. I can't do this. Yes, Lord. God will yes, Lord. make a way for me yes, and my child, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, send your angelic hosts, O oh Lord. Stand beside these troubled women, O oh Lord. Oh, Father, 
Oh Father, send your angelic host, send your Holy Spirit upon that gay community, oh Lord, the transgender community. Oh Father, they are all messed up inside, oh Lord. They are so messed up inside, oh Lord. Oh Father, help them, Lord. Help them, Lord. Have pity on them, Lord. Have pity on them, Lord. Have pity on them, Lord. Oh Father, oh Father, touch them, Lord. The transgenders, touch them, Lord. Let them know, Lord. You did oh, not create Jesus. that them there. Oh, you did not make Jesus that them God. that way. Oh, it is the lie of the enemy, Lord. Lord. Oh, break that lie, Lord. Break the power of that lie over their minds in the name of Jesus. Spirit of God, you are the only one who can do it. Only the anointing can do it. That's what we are praying for for us. An anointing to fall upon the U.S. Lord. If U.S. changes, the whole world will change, Lord. That's why we are praying for U.S. Lord. Everybody looks up to U.S. and as the U.S goes, so goes the world, O Lord. If the U.S. turns righteous, the world will be moved to righteousness, O Lord. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon that land, O Lord. Move from east to west, Lord. From border to border, Lord. Oh, we bind the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel is at work, O Lord. She's work at now, Lord. But I bind the power of the spirit of Jezebel in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, let spiritual you Next arise, O Lord, yes, who will throw yes, yes. Jezebel down headlong, yes, yes, O Lord, yes, yes. and dogs shall, shall lick your blood, O Father. Dogs shall lick the blood of Ahab and Jezebel, O Lord. O Father, O Father, destroy the work of Jezebel in the church, O Lord. I crush the work of Jezebel within the church, O Lord, even in the White House, O Lord. O Father, let there be confusion. Expose, Lord. Oh, it does not stand. It rests with the Supreme Court. It rests with you, Lord. When you tear the curtains apart, O Lord, when you expose what has happened, Lord, nobody will be able to stay to Lord. You will expose everything that has been done, everything that has been hidden in the cover of darkness. Your light will go and you will expose it all, O Master. Who these people are, they are predators, they are pedophiles, they are murderers. Yes. They have soaked their hands in the blood of the innocents for power, for money. Their lust, O oh Lord, is unburdened. They are never satisfied because they have been empowered by the very lust of hell itself, O oh God. But you are going to put an end to it, O oh Lord. You are going to put an end to it, O oh Lord. You are going to expose these workers of darkness around the world, O oh Lord, who are after the souls of the innocent and the ignorant, O oh Master. O oh Father, that's why our cry, pour out your Spirit, yes, Lord. Lord. The answer yes, is your Lord. Holy Spirit. Yes, pour, out your Lord. Spirit Lord. pour out your Spirit, Lord. Pour out your Spirit, Lord. Pour out your Spirit.